0: cross Politic begins in three, two, have a heart that breaks for a dying city. Stop cursing your future.
1: <laughs> is not
0: true. For all intents and purposes, I am a woman. No
2: government, no political system, has ultimate supremacy. Jesus is King of Kings, and it's about time our nation returned in humble submission to his Lordship.
0: You are not... Protecting women, you are authorizing the destruction of 500,000 little women every year. Oh, I didn't start it. Uh, uh, sir, sir, with all due respect, that's the argument of a five-year-old. I
3: didn't start it. Right, when the Spirit comes upon people, they go to war. They go to battle, and the enemies of God are driven back, and they're slaughtered.
0: You are listening to Cross Politic with Gabe Rensch, the Water Boy, Pastor Toby Sumter, and the Chocolate Knox.
2: Hello, y'all! Welcome to Cross Politic. Thank you for joining us this week again. And I am in the studio without a pipe. <laughs> I, uh, got my, I got my vape know. though. I'm no, no, good. No. It, it's okay though.
3: Second hand. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll just sit
2: here passively. <laughs> <laughs> well, we uh, we got uh, David Wheaton. Coming on! Yes, uh, I'm excited uh, he, about that. He, yeah, the you know, famous tennis player. I know, dude. <laughs> he beat Agassi. Oh man, Ooh, Dude. Yeah. I remember. I remember. Da- I remember David.
4: Real humble yeah. guy too. Yeah. yeah, and solid guy. Oh, buddy solid of yours. Guy. Yeah, back, yeah. I've known him back in the so day. So when I was working at Wretched Radio, Wretched TV, uh, David Wheaton would come in from time to time and host a segment, host uh, the show for Ty when he wasn't there, and so I would produce whatever David needed, or you know, just. And he's from Minnesota. He's from you Minnesota, know. so. Yeah. How about oh, yeah. that how about that yeah,
2: and one good. of the, one of the reasons why i I brought him on the show is because I hope this next year um we do four or five episodes on education alone yep. at whatever different angle because um, he mentioned this on our in our interview
4: need to do a segment on parenting first,
2: yeah. yeah that's-
3: <laughs> Yeah, parenting, Whenever, parenting, yeah. parenting, and education. Whenever I right? look at college, your vision I'm, for your kids uh, and education, know, yeah, and, 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 and just point. I mean, for what it's worth, we, you know, we just had um, Pastor Doug Wilson do a oh. parenting conference at Trinity. I should link to that. I should link to, should that, link right. to that. You know, what? I should our chop our li- up some of those of our listeners you know, check it out Ooh. the the audio is just released this week.
4: We're going to uh, do it. We're going to actually play some of those.
3: Yeah, it was, it was a great conference. It was really great. But you're right. We before we even start talking about sending our kids to college, you know, we really got to be preparing them now for for this. Hey, what are you wearing? Oh man! Cross politics shirt. You got a shirt on? Yeah, oh,
2: uh, our, our newer, one of our newer designs. Oh, that's cost nice. cost politics. Yeah, know. man, that's awesome. Got the big circle. Are we, gonna, are we gonna like you know do something with those? Yeah, we're gonna um uh, figure out. We'll, we're gonna give some away. I haven't quite figured out everything that we're gonna do there. So all you know, right, because we got some bumper there, stickers, there, some there, stickers, some magnetic bumper stickers. There's some t shirts. We got some cool merch coming down the pipe. Yeah, but that's why you got to go get your beanies first.
3: Oh. It's winter; those beanies are nice. I, I travel with this, I've been, this past week. It I've been really wearing nice. mine. Hello. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You know, I just, I just. It's warm. It's super really warm. Did I tell
4: you what happened with me at the gas station when I was wearing this? No, I was at the gas station and um I'm trying to remember how this goes. Oh yeah, so I had the hat on, pumping the gas. and The guy was over there, sideways on the other aisle, looking at me. He's like, "Hey, what that hat mean?" No. What's that crossing <laughs> that flag thing? What is that doing? Like, <laughs> what'd you say? I was like, this is the Lordship of Christ, man. Everything's got to bow to Jesus. He's like, oh,
2: oh. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
4: and I was like, hey, man, where you going? <laughs> where? Are you running? <laughs> Let's talk. I'll give you the hat. <laughs> he just, it's kind of a gospel situation. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely.
2: Absolutely.
3: Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, we
2: got some good hats, some good iPhone cases. Yeah. And,
4: and memos. And memos. Oh, wow. We'll get to those later in oh, the we last got, We're going to listen to a couple of memos today. Yes. Yeah. Just, just I want to say thank you first. Yeah. I'm going to pull a paw. Thank you guys so much for sending <laughs> the memos. Like, I really appreciate it. Can we do a tiny itty bitty thing while we're doing memos? Keep it to 60 seconds. Yeah. I, I love to cut them down. Listen, we got some five yeah, minute, yeah. six minute memos. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, I was excited. I was happy to get them. Yeah. I appreciate hearing from you guys. It's really fun to hear back from you guys. Um, <clears throat> but I don't know if the audience, you know, if we can get 60 seconds. It'd be easier to play on air. You know, if you go over 90, I'll edit it down for you. So these memos are going to be edited a little bit to try and get to the point. But, um, but, yeah, y'all, but, but thanks. But, but thank you. But thanks. Th- you're you doing know, well. Right. Pat yourself on the back and go buy a T-shirt. <laughs> there we go.
2: Well, as you guys can see, we got a lot going on in the studio. And now we're going to get some cross-pocket news that's a, a lot going on in the, in the world. In the world, you like that turnaround, David? Was that the JFK files that Trump was dropping? Yeah, did you see that? (laughs) No, no, I
4: didn't. I'm watching him. Anytime somebody says, "Look at this big piece of news; you should be paying attention to," I'm like, "What you doing? Yeah, Yeah, right. What you doing? What's going on back there?" A (laughs) magician
2: is pulling a trick, right? (laughs) I'm
4: watching both hands. (laughs) Look at here. Look at here. (laughs) That's right. Looking in the black. What's going on?
2: So I I read this. uh, This is actually really interesting. A number of uh, outlets have covered this. A, A former, the former NPR CEO. Um, uh, went uh, when he stepped down from NPR, retired, whatever. Um, he went and decided to kind of go do, you know, uh, research as he calls it, and live in conservative communities. Go to NASCAR, <laughs> you
3: know, wow. go and,
2: and, and go go all all out. Go Wait, to Nash- go to the bars. Concerned? This is like you know. National
3: Geographic. He wants to see them in their natural habitat.
2: That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, and through this whole process, he became conservative. What? Yeah, I'm dead serious. <laughs> Okay. He, he wrote, He he's written, uh, it's come out in different several news outlets this last week because I
4: think he just Get out of here. It. I'm dead serious. Really? We should get him on yeah. the show. It's like, where were you That's hanging out at where there yeah. was no conservatives? Yeah. He's like, oh, wow. Look at that. He's like, heard. I was at NASCAR. Was like, yeah. <laughs> Honey, look at that one. He's conservative. He's I've standing never in the pit row at NASCAR. <laughs> um, really? He, he hung out at
3: the tea party. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, he did some things I probably didn't even yeah. want to do. I, won- I wonder if what he did <laughs> was just he actually started thinking. Oh well, well but the problem he is does he does work at NPR. You,
2: that, that's 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 so true but you, you go into DC and you go into this bubble and you got all these liberals around right. you and let's say Barack Obama is president while you're right. CEO of NPR I mean it's just it's all liberal and 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 you don't have to deal with or honestly interact with any
3: conservative you know, response. You know and, and, any and, any thoughtful conservatives yeah, right. actually arguing their points.
4: And right. let's be honest, there's a difference between dealing with and liking someone's argument and then getting to know the person behind it. Sure. There's a whole different world. When Christians, um, even if our evangelism, our evangelism needs to be soaked with our lifestyle. Right. You know, right. so that people are not getting two different narratives. And sometimes uh-huh. with conservatives, you get Rush Limbaugh who wants to cut your head off. Right. But if you actually sat down and had dinner with Rush, like, this guy is actually enjoyable. And then he expresses another viewpoint or, or gets you to where how he's thinking this way differently. And well, you're and this, like, oh, I get that. And, this
3: really, and it comes down to the fact that Christ really does make a difference. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think so much. So, so often people are like, "Well, you know, the divorce rates just as high in churches and whatever." It's like, "Well, I know we haven't been faithful, but Jesus does make a difference." Yeah, there are things, there are sins that we need to repent of, but nevertheless, if you're in church, you're gonna you're gonna see the grace of God at work in people's lives. Yeah, yeah absolutely, it's gonna make a difference. Yeah. So
2: he went to yeah he went to some churches, some conferences. Imagine that. Um, yeah. Listen to church community actually talk about real solutions for helping the poor and social justice and mm. stuff like that. So he mentions mentions all that. I think what really won him over was the pig hunting in Gonzalez, Texas.
4: (laughs) Hey, man, look, bacon Uh, changes things. He talks about (laughs) bacon. No, no, no.
2: You missed it. It was Texas.
4: No, it was bacon. (laughs) I didn't even hear Texas. No, bro.
3: Bacon trumps Texas. It's a a new creation. Yeah, bro. It's a new creation. (laughs) So he
2: never held a gun before. And he goes pig hunting in Gonzales, Texas, and they put him off to the side to kind of practice with his gun away from everybody else.
3: They're <laughs> <laughs> like, what's up with him?
2: Come over here, and we'll flesh out the wild pigs to you, all right?
3: We'll <laughs> 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 just come running right
2: by, all right? You oh, just pull the trigger. Oh, uh, That man. cracks me up. What's the guy's
3: name?
4: Uh, His name is, let me pull it up. We should get him on the show, Gabe. You no, have the right. magic to pull this kind of thing off. No, you're right. You're get right. him on the show. I'd really like to game. know. Yeah, I'm Ken Stern. Um, he's now
2: he's now the president of uh, Palis, Palisades Media um and former CEO of NPR. Wow. wow. So now he's, he's got a book out. This is a, yeah, you're right. I should get him in uh, Harper Re- Republicans like Republican like me, how I left the liberal bubble and learned to love the right. That's his book. Mm.
3: Kind of interesting. Did he become a Christian? Do we know that?
4: Um he will after we get him on cross politics.
2: Okay. Yeah, I haven't That's read good. enough to okay. to find that out.
3: He's on a slippery slope.
4: Hey, guys, you know, know what you honey. need to do, don't you? Oh, yeah. What you need to do is tag, tag him, him on Twitter. Tag him. Tag yep. him on Twitter. Tell tag him to come on, on Twitter. Yep.
2: Kern, let me, let, me, let me get his name again just for our listeners. Yeah,
4: tag him on Twitter. Kern Tag him on, tag him on Facebook. Stern. Ken Stern. Ken Stern. Ken Stern. Kern Stern. <laughs> <laughs> Gabe,
0: try
2: that one more game. Hello. Ken, Ken Stern. Stern. There we go. Stern. There we go. Thank you. Thank you for a second. Uh, another thing that um, you, you, you saw this article. Which one? This week where um, about... Fifty kids a week are referred to sex change clinics in the UK.
4: Yeah, and they're like kids. And yeah, kids. how old are they? The, the age group? Is what it was though too. They're they're like younger than ten or something like that. Yeah,
3: I mean they're, they're as as young as like as, four. Yeah,
4: yeah, something like that. That was absolutely yep. It was a uh, it
2: was young, and they're going through hormonal treatment. They're actually going through actual below the belt and above the belt surgeries. Mm. Um, I mean, it's a it's fifty kids a week in the UK. These kids are you know, playing with play clothes. They're they're just learning to talk, you, and, know? you know, learning to read a book and the, and the parents. So I think what you kind of see is like, a, um, I mean, it's obviously the parents that are pushing
3: this. Yeah, I guess it has to be right. Well, it's the schools. It's everything, and the culture. I mean, there's yeah. an, there's but
2: no, no, specifically there's something going on with the parents that are doing this. They, they have to get them in the car to drive them to the clinic. I mean, like, you know, there's a real parental a force well, going on well, I behind think, it.
3: I think the parents, though. I mean, we abdicated a long time ago, so we already have a view that the children belong to the state. Uh huh. I mean, that's that's what government education means. Yeah, right. I mean, oh, it, it, Christian,
4: it, get your kids out the public it, school. It me <laughs> it, 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 I mean,
3: so this you go back and read, um, read some um, messianic nature of American education by Rush Dooney. Mm. Um, it was a great place to start. But he goes back and he and he he pulls out the writings. Of John Dewey and the other founders of the American public education system, yeah. and they are saying explicitly back in the day, yeah. we need to start schools in order to get the kids out of their parents' houses and out of the churches. Right. Out. This is this is decades, decades long before right. they took prayer and Bible reading out of public schools. Right. Wow, they didn't care; they could deal with that for a little while. They were they were intentionally wanting. They they saw parental influence and ecclesiastical church influence as destructive yeah and so they so the state was going to come in and be the messiah be the savior so we bought into that a long time ago uk's done it too yeah and so you already have a problem where parents don't think that they're they're called by god to train their children up in the nurture and admonition of the lord yeah and so there's already this looking to the state to tell us how to do it right and a lot of them are afraid cuz they know you know kids grow up and become criminals like you know all kinds of ba- and so they're like looking to the state which is just stupid because yeah. the state's just been screwing them up for for decades anyways. Right. But then you have the state coming down with their counselors saying, you know, here's the major problem. I mean it's it's all like Freudian.
2: Mm.
3: <laughs> Seriously. I mean, it's all in uh, Freud. It's all yeah. in Freud. I mean that's what, because Freud well, says that the problem you know so much of the psychoses that afflict American human beings is this repressed sexual drives right mm. and if you just let their sexual this this out just let it out let them be whoever they want to be right. then they'll be free and happy and we'll have a a utopian society right and so that's what they're doing this is the gospel according to freud mm. and so the parents are listening to the counselors and the counselors say take them to counseling and the counseling counselors say well you know i think this boy is a girl is trapped in a whatever must be and so they said. so now they're now they're 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 they're, they're saving them so Dewey, you brought up you brought up Dewey and all
2: this. Dewey said, um, "Democracy has to be born anew every generation, and education is its midwife." Um, and he, another quote here: um, "I believe that education is the fundamental method of social progress and reform." Right. So, what's the main, what's the primary purpose of education? Not education, no. You know, social progress it's and reform,
3: right? Well, it's it's discipleship, D- yeah, and it's discipleship though. I mean, he says democracy, but what he right. means by democracy is everybody. Saying and doing and believing what I think they should do. Right. I mean, it's in the name of, you know, in the name of the people here, I know what's best for you. Right. Mm. Right? Um, And it's a, but it's a false gospel and Christians keep sending their kids to public schools. So tied into all this, um, there's an article in Oklahoma.
2: You guys might've even seen this too, but Jay middle school in Oklahoma um, had this big flare up because this middle school um, kid came home with her sex education test. And gave it to her mom, and it was a it was just a you know a fill in the blank kind of test. Um, some of the questions are you know what is sex. One of the other questions is um, what are the four types of sex you can have, um, and just it's a it's a sex ed course. And Here you thought at, teaching evolution
4: wasn't that bad.
2: Well, and and, <laughs> and all the Christians oh. who thought education was neutral for fifty years, <laughs> right. right? And oh. then and then you go to state of our state of Washington. I, I just I grew up. In Texas, I always say, I probably say this one time per episode, but but all my friends, I got a lot of friends in Texas who send their kids to public school. And they think, hey, it's no big deal because I know the Christian principal down the road. I know the, the math teacher, he's a Christian. Right. Um, we do see you at the poll right. once a year. Right. All these good things. And I just want to grab their ear and take them up to the state of Washington and show them the transgender bathrooms that are developing. Every new government building in the state of Washington has to have a transgender bathroom. Yeah. That's code
3: and the, and the problem is and we're going to touch on this when we talk to David in a minute um, but it's the, the problem is, is that Christians I think for too long have thought that you can basically coast that's right and so as long as they're like well there's Christians in there so that you know they don't like force evolution down our kids throats they don't yeah, you know right. in you know in our state there's a lot of Christians in the school so you know they don't force the transgender stuff or whatever right but, okay but that's not the issue we need to be training up soldiers Come on yeah, now. Right, we need, yeah, we, need we want fighters. We want we want our sons and daughters to be arrows. Yep. Right, that's what that's what God says they are. They're arrows in the hand of a mighty man, right? They we want them to to rise up and stand with us in the gates and contend with our enemies. Right. So we're training them to be to fight. But if they go and they act, as soon as you try to have them fight, they're going to get kicked out. Yep. You're, yep. you're yep. not allowed right. to fight. Right? And so what you end up doing just is
2: just wear a cross politic t-shirt, right? Oh, on yeah. campus, a just
3: a beanie. with the flag bound down to the cross, yes. and you'll get kicked out. Yeah. I'd love to see that.
2: That would be awesome. I'd love to see that. But, Take a picture.
3: But <laughs> but you have to have them fight. But kids are not. They have to be taught to fight. You can't send your kindergartner, your third grader, to the yeah. public school yeah. and expect them to fight. They're not. You got to be fighting. Yeah, you have to. You fight. have to fight. But this is why. I mean, a lot of our Christian schools yeah. are not a whole lot better. Yeah. Right. I mean, at least there we have a we we have a chance. But so many Christian schools are like just government schools. With Bible classes, with Jesus sprinkled in right in, in between classes, and, and yeah. David gets this too about Christian colleges. And sometimes it's, it's worse, right. Yep. Because yep. people are like, "Oh, we're safe now," and then you're still not teaching them to fight,
2: and because you don't know, they don't, they themselves don't have a consistent worldview, right. biblical worldview, and, mm, and yeah.
3: homeschooling yeah. is the same thing. You, you're not safe. Yeah. You can't come bring them home and then be like, "Oh, now we're safe," right. not unless you're teaching them to fight. Lean into it. Lean into That's it. Right. They, they need to know who the enemies are, and you need to teach them to take it down, take them down. That's what we got to do. That's right.
4: When we come back on Cross Politic, the man, the myth, the legend, David Wheaton is going to be with us. University of Instruction is his book. More Cross Politic with David
3: Wheaton when we come back. Canon Press is a publishing house located in Moscow, Idaho. At Canon Press, we create and provide products that sketch a vision of the whole life, a whole culture, a life full of beauty, tradition, education, community, laughter, and celebration. Unashamed of Christ and sharply at odds with the values of modernity. A mature culture with the church at the center, living out the good life, one family at a time. We believe our book, audio, and visual selections reflect this exciting life that God has given us under the sun. As the wisest man said, go eat your bread with joy and drink your wine with a merry heart, for God has already accepted your works. Canonpress.com.
0: For 21 years and counting, New St. Andrew's College has sought to obey Christ's great commission to disciple nations and build him a house. Not just in Jerusalem, but throughout the world. Not with stones and mortar, but with living stones. We build and fight. This is the task of a Christian liberal arts college. To equip students with the tools to build and fight. And this is our joyful task as we seek to graduate leaders who shape culture through wise and victorious living. To learn more, check us out online at nsa. EDU forward slash explore.
3: Welcome back to Cross Politic. This segment is brought to you by Siroc Peach Vodka. Oh I, I'm on my diddy my right goodness. now. I'm on my diddy. <laughs> uh, we got with us, David Wheaton is our our guest today. David is uh, hey. an uh, you just like his I, but, his name is like your well, first name. First of all, his name is David. Yeah, <laughs> but I actually know him from a long time ago. So
2: yeah. you know, apparently, apparently, Knox is more connected than we realize. Seriously, I keep that <laughs> yeah. on the down low. Yeah. yeah.
3: Anyway, David is an author, radio host, and I didn't know this till five minutes ago. Former professional tennis player. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. What? You don't remember
2: uh, David Wheaton? Where
3: have I been? Formerly, David was one of the top professional tennis players in the world. During his 13 years in, on tour from 1988 to 2001, David reached the semifinals yes. or better in yep. singles or doubles of every Grand Slam tournament yeah yep. boy Cheapers.
2: he wore those tennis shorts well
3: uh, <laughs> <laughs> and they were short back then <laughs> uh-huh, they were they were he attained a career high singles world ranking of number 12 won the prestigious grand slam cup represented the u.s and davis cup competition wow yeah scored victories over notable players such as andre agassi jimmy connors oh my gracious um on a personal note david was born in minnesota that's why you like him well he's, there you well, go he's from minnesota good yeah. you know. Uh, he's married to his lifelong best friend Brody. They are the parents of a, I think you said four year old son Yeah, and they have two Labrador retrievers. I have a Labrador retriever actually I'm, also. I, I have a, I, I have six, a Beazla. I got six kids. <laughs> <laughs> six kids. Different.
0: You got six kids. That's, now, all, that's all you need.
3: David, uh, it's, it says here also, you're very thankful for your faith in, in Christ, your family and living near where you grew up in Minnesota. You're off, You're also the author of the book, university of destruction, your game plan for spiritual victory on campus. Mm. And I think that's really what we wanted to um, uh, tag you with is, so talk to us a little bit about um, this book, um, what's going on in the universities and um, how can Christians be prepared for that. But um, thank you for being on the show.
5: Well, it's great to be with all of you today. And uh, thanks for featuring this topic. It's, It's a really important one. Uh, because this transition to college you know, going from high school to college is, I think, one of the most major transitions that anyone can face in their life. And it's so critical because you're going from a point of, uh, as a teenager living at home, let's say mm. parental, parental dependence, to all of a sudden more independence from having more parental values to forming your own personal values. And I remember I heard someone say in a radio interview one time that they thought the most important decisions that one makes in life are between the ages of 15 and 23. Mm -hmm. And that seems pretty incredible. But as you think about it, you know, how how much you choose to study, you know, where you go to college, what major, you Mm -hmm. know what career you're going to go into, Mm -hmm. who you're going to date and possibly marry. These are very, very important decisions that sort of sets your life going down a certain track. And I don't know about you guys, but I think when someone hits about 25, maybe late thir- late late 20s, you begin to get on on a on a course that I don't think changes too much unless something really massive or major happens yeah. in your life. And so these college years are, are really really critical. And I think college administrators know that. Yeah, and right. that that's why the statistic in the book, as many as 50%, depending on what kind of college you know, professing Christian student will go to will say they are no longer born-again Christians after being there for four years. So it's obviously a really, really critical time.
3: David, when I was, I started doing uh, on-campus evangelism. The University of Idaho is here in Moscow. Um, Washington State University is 10 minutes away across the border. Um, So we have tons of college students, public universities here, around here. And I started doing evangelism on campus about five or six years ago. And that was one of the most striking things to me I went up there on campus to, to meet students and and be a pastor on campus and present the gospel to them. And I was expecting to meet a lot more students that really had very little church background at all. And when I got up on campus, I was astounded by how many students told me that very thing. I grew up in church, I came to college, and now I don't believe anymore. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I realized that one of the reasons I needed to be on campus was to minister to these these kids, the kids that, that grew up in church, you know, for the sake of their parents, for the sake of their youth pastors, for the sake of their families, um, to, you know, call them back to faith in Christ. So what do what do you, what do you think? What's, what's wrong? Why, why is this happening? Yeah. Well, first of all,
5: it's my own personal story. Um, you know, not just a statistic or a survey, you know, I grew up and I grew up in a Christian home, just like you were saying, I made a profession of faith when I was, five years old, just believed in Jesus in a very childlike way, grew up in a pretty protected environment, had really blessed with wonderful parents who are still living today. They were committed Christians, not just on Sundays, but all week they lived it out. I think I had that second generation syndrome where you just sort of always had it and sort of maybe cultural uh, rather than very deep and personal. And so as I got into my teenage years, I went from being an early professor to being a teenage digressor. And just the, the the attractions of the world, the flesh and the devil, um, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the, bull, the pride of life, you know, started to ha- have a strong allure to me. And I started going down some wrong roads and wrong relationships. As, and I went off to college at Stanford. It was really difficult for me because I was not prepared for what I was going to face on campus, both in the dorm room uh, or the classroom. I remember the first thing I experienced in the classroom was, in our Great Works of Western Culture class, we were to read the books of Genesis and Job along with other books by Plato and Aristotle, but we started out with Genesis and Job, and I thought, well, this would be pretty easy. I'm <laughs> kind of semi-familiar with that, <laughs> right. even though I never really read the Bible for myself, you know, just didn't really read it. That's, that's not a very good sign of a believer, but <laughs> that was the case. And so when the teacher and the students started just completely deconstructing Scripture, I honestly had no idea what to say. And then, and then in, the, in, the, in the dorm room, you know, the, the sexual es- ethic, uh, the drugs and alcohol, I mean, it was, it was really a, a system that is conducive, you could almost say designed, but I won't go that far, but conducive uh, to breaking down, uh, and I'll use a Christian word, evangelizing yeah. uh, mm-hmm. students right. away from their faith in Christ, a biblical worldview. And after being there, and it doesn't take a very long time, by the way. I, I don't think I lost my faith, so to speak, in college. I don't think you can actually lose your faith if you actually have it just theologically speaking. But sure. I don't I never stopped believing in God, but it really took me very far away from even being kind of a semi professor of a Christian faith. And yeah. I think it does the same thing. The transition is so traumatic for so many students who grew up in Christian homes, as you were saying, after being there for four years, they've been so they've drifted so far and been pulled so far away that they just don't even profess it anymore after four years in college.
2: Yeah. So, so David, you you pulled up the stats earlier. Um, you basically said about um, uh, well, I see it on on your cover here too. But 50% of Christian students say that they've kind of lost their faith after four years in college. Um, the Southern Baptist uh convention did a study kind of on their own students, so it's probably a little more narrow than the percentage that you're referencing. Um, in that study, and, and they did their own study, and it, they found basically about 60 to 80% of their kids are losing their faith their freshman year at secular university. That's Southern Baptist yeah. Convention. Wow. I mean, we have, basically, we we probably have a better chance at surviving on the beach of Normandy than our kids yeah. going to freshman university um, and, and secular Ouch. secular university. Yeah. And, of course, one's, well. one's a physical death and one's a spiritual death. Um and and yet we're sitting here making some of these decisions about sending our kids to second university without being thinking Christians about it.
5: Well, I, I'll tell you this: you you give the example of Normandy, and that it, it's equally as serious what our sons and daughters, grandsons and granddaughters are facing on campus. You think about it: what's what's worth or what's worse? than losing your soul. I mean, mm-hmm. you, know, you sometimes yeah, like your parents right. tell me, well, it's their four years to kind of have fun and sow their oats and they'll come back? Oh, well, man. maybe, but what if they don't? What if they get on a track and they're convinced and persuaded away from the faith for the rest of their life and they right. die and they lose their soul? I mean, nothing's more serious than that. That's why I said at the beginning, thanks for doing this really important topic because it is, I mean, souls yeah, are at stake absolutely. in college. And the study that's in University of Destruction is the Higher Education Research Institute. Now, it's pretty old now. It's done in the early 2000s. But I, I, I'm, I'd be willing to bet it hasn't changed too much. It or or it got self- worse. <laughs> yeah, or it got yeah. worse. Exactly right. It was like a self-profession study where they asked incoming freshmen all different kinds of questions on a survey coming into college as a freshman. And one of the questions was, do you consider yourself to be a born-again Christian? And of those students who checked that box, yes, as a freshman, they resurveyed those four years later. And depending on what kind of college they went to, the number was as high as fifty or even a little bit more yeah. uh, who would say who would no longer check that book, no no longer even profess to be a born again Christian. That's pretty accurate what you profess about yourself. Hmm. Now I say that wow. and I'll just give one caveat to that. I think that's one of the reasons that the The numbers are so high, depending on what survey you look at, because there's a little riddle I do when I speak to students. I say all possessors are professors, but not all professors Mm. are possessors. And they all start Mm -hmm. scratching their head and wondering what that means. Well, what it means is that everyone who possesses genuine saving faith will profess it. But not everyone who professes it actually possesses it. And you see this in Matthew chapter 7 when Christ says, Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and your name cast out demons and your name perform many miracles? Right. And then Christ says to them, you know, depart from me. I never knew you. You who practice lawlessness. According to Jesus, we can actually profess to say, Lord, Lord, and, you know, call him our Christ, our Savior and Lord, but actually not truly have a saving Faith in him, and I think that was really me as I went out to college I think that that's that 's the case for a lot of students who grow up in Christian homes. They go up to college and they they professed it their whole life, but when it 's tested tested in a difficult environment, right. they really don't hang on to it there 's no perseverance there, and I think that's really one of the big factors why so many quote unquote lose their faith
4: yeah so david th- that 's exactly what I want to get to Where, where's the real problem in? Are we dealing with the, the the universities or we actually have a home problem? And how we're discipling our children, so that when they get out and their faith is tested, it's, oh boy.
5: Yeah, that is a really important question. I would say in the book I talk about you know choosing a college, saint or state. You know, should you go to a Christian college or a secular college? And I really think that if a student is really well grounded in their faith, I do the spiritual GPA test in the book. You know, how well you interact with God your peers and your authorities. In other words, if you're doing those things really well, I think a student can go anywhere. As a matter of fact, for a, a really committed, strong believer, it may be a good thing. They may want to go to a secular college. They may want to be there, and they want to be, see the whole thing as an evangelism field for them. But on the other hand, for another kind of student who's kind of wishy-washy, riding the fence, doesn't really know what they believe, that putting them in the same environment is going to be horrible for them. Or, or on the other side, you know, just like, oh, we'll just send your son or daughter to a Christian college then. Well, Christian colleges aren't all created the same. I mean, <laughs> no,
0: as you probably no. know, yeah. you know, there's a,
5: lot of them, there's a lot of them that completely deconstruct Scripture. And they may talk about Absolutely. God and the Bible and Jesus, but their interpretations are so different. And I've found that that's actually even more confusing yeah. for a student who's not quite grounded in their faith to go to that kind of college, mm. because they'll be using religious terms, but have completely liberal, deconstructive yeah. theological meanings to them. It's almost better for them to go to a, a secular where it's kind of more black and white. But the bottom line, as you were saying, David, is, yes, it is a home issue. You know, the, in Ephesians 6, you know, fathers, don't provoke your children to anger. But here's the key verse bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Yes, You know, doing this like mm. the, the summer before college is probably not going to be <laughs> no, enough time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, th- oh. this, this has got to start out like from the youngest of ages, intentional, yeah. devotional, t- teaching them, understanding the gospel, trying to help them to lead them to true salvation so yeah. they're a possessor, not just a professor, you know, grounding them in a biblical worldview— so they at least have a chance David, when they uh, leave home and go to college.
2: David, are you Presbyterian?
5: <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> but, you're you're uh, talking a lot like you, buddy. We, we won't <laughs> hold
4: that against you, David. Don't worry. <laughs> I, I won't hold it against you. Well, but before we go, we got just a little time with you left. I want to talk about the three, three uh, things that you give in your book that can help people who are in the middle of this process right now, the, 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 three, the three suggestions that you give so that they won't get caught off guard and that they can build themselves back up in the faith. What are those three?
5: Well, there's, first of all, three big challenges I talk about in the book. There's I call them the three pillars of peril, and I think they summarize everything a Christian student is going to face when they step on campus. And the first is a battle for the body, sexual immorality. Mm. Yeah. The second is a battle for the spirit, drugs and alcohol. That's from Ephesians 5, where I said, you know, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the spirit. Right. Yeah. You know, alcohol is liquid spirits. Uh, the third is, the really big one, is the battle for the mind, which is humanism, whether you go to a secular college, secular humanism, or a liberal Christian college, which is religious humanism. It's basically a man-based instead of a Bible-based worldview. It's the worldview battle that goes on yeah, in yeah, the classroom yeah. of college. So th- those are the, the three really big challenges, but they can be overcome. We've talked about some of the negative aspects that as many as 50% will lose their faith. Well, of as many as 50% or more, can do well in college can overcome that's the theme of the book being an overcomer christ said in this world you have tribulation but be a good cheer i have overcome the world this word overcome is key it doesn't mean a perfect or a sinless christian but it means a, a christian who's intent on overcoming the tests the trials and temptations of life with the supernatural resources god provides which are the word of god and the, the holy spirit of god prayer to god so these are the resources um, that God provides us to be able to overcome. But David, you're talking about these three things. And I think you're talking about the game plan that I yeah, go through that's what I'm, yeah. in the book.
4: Absolutely. And
5: and again, there's three, another triplet here of things that, you know, how, and I mentioned this briefly, You're you're raising your spiritual GPA. You know, your academic grade point average is important, but your spiritual GPA is even more important. In other words, if a student is interacting well with God on a daily basis, is in the Word, and is being just... Sanctified and transformed, re- the mind being renewed on a daily basis. That is the, really the most critical and biggest starting point. Secondly, uh, if a student knows how to choose the right kinds of friends, friends that will have mutually beneficial friendships rather than detrimental friendships, you know, friendships where that person is going to actually build you up spiritually instead of the opposite. And then finally, the authority issue is where a student understands that god puts authorities in our lives whether they're parents or uh you know church leaders and others he puts them in our life for protection and direction not not as a, a way to ruin our fun but when a student realizes he can use his authorities in life for the protection and direction when he goes off to college there's very little authority away from parents away from the home church mm-hmm. and to seek out certain levels of authority in college you know mentorship Maybe a Christian family, maybe a church, maybe a Christian uh, ministry on campus. These are important things for a student to be plugged into uh, to be able to overcome in college. So, those three things interaction with God, peers, and authorities if they're doing those things well, they can be an overcomer on campus.
3: Hmm. I know one of the things I think I've, I took me a long time to just come to, just realizing, I mean, I grew up in the faith, I grew up in a Christian home, my dad's a pastor, and so on. And, and I really did know the Lord at a really young age, but. I think it took me a long time to realize how important it is um, that you don't just, you can't just survive. You really do have to be someone who is um, actively pursuing Christ. You have to be someone who's actively fighting sin. You have to be fighting the fight of faith. Uh, yeah. You have to be someone who's chasing sin away, chasing unbelief away. Ch- you know, it, and if you're not, if you're not doing that, you're getting pulled somewhere. So yeah. you, you you have yeah, that- to, you have to be leaning into it.
5: No, that, that's exactly right. I mean, you know, the Christian life is described as a battle, right. uh, a, a, ma- a marathon, you know, take up your cross daily and follow me. Um, you know, it's hard if you think it's going to be easy. I mean, my brother used to always tell me that before going into a, a big tennis match, expect it to be hard. You know, don't right. be surprised if this thing goes <laughs> five sets and it's brutal. That's right. And I think it's the same thing in our Christian life. You know, we, we're, we're not citizens of this world. You know, we're living in an alien world. Uh, with people who don't don't agree with us you know ephesians 6 this is a, a battle put on put on the the, the armor and, and use the weapon right. so i i agree with that you know going onto campus uh yeah it, it could be a college can be a great time to make friends and learn a lot and have fun and so forth but fun doesn't have to include sin and going into it knowing that there's going to be a battle for your soul you know satan seeks to, uh, walks you seeking who he's going to devour he's just looking to take take christians down take them out of service yeah. and that kind of that kind of warrior mentality i think is a, a very good one to have on campus you've heard it the preacher dr reverend bishop david wheaton
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
4: hey man That's it's good to so have you on far. again <laughs> That's <not too> <laughs> university of destruction you can find that i'm sure pretty sure on amazon but don't forget to check out his website too DavidWheaton.com. a lot of goodies on there Here is the radio show, syndicated nationally. Woo, he's important. (laughs) More across politics when we come back.
0: This is Cy Tembrunke with Answer Anyone Apologetics. In California in the 1950s, car ownerships were printed on pink paper. Racing for pinks was a drag race in which the loser of the race would forfeit ownership of his car to the winner. Now imagine you were gonna have a race for pinks. The first thing you'd wanna do is make sure your opponent actually owns the car that he's driving. Let's say you produced your pink slip and asked your opponent to do the same, but he just revved his engine and yelled, come on, let's race, what are you afraid of? Now you might be confident that you'd win that race, but you'd be crazy to race him if he couldn't prove that the car was his. Even crazier if you knew that he'd stolen it. As Christians, we're commanded to engage people with the defense of our faith. Our opponents will come at us with logical, scientific, and moral objections to the existence of God. But who owns logic? Who owns science? Who owns morality? Jesus Christ. In Romans 11.36 we read that from God, through God, and to God are all things. When the unbeliever attempts to engage you, they're doing so with stolen goods, and we let them. Jesus Christ has equipped us with tools for reasoning. Don't let the unbeliever steal them when they want to engage you. Make them account for them. Make them show you their pink slip. For more apologetic answers, visit answeranyone.com.
4: Put your hands up right now. (laughs) Here we go. It's just a little dirt. It's just a little stain. Trust me, you're still worth it. Ooh, glory. Just going through the pain. Yes. It's just a little tear. Just a little tear. Worry, right next to you. Don't be so hot on yourself. Don't be so hard on. David, work. don't be so hard on yourself. It's just a little dirt. <laughs> just a little, dirt. It's just a little just, stain, Just, just, it's just a little piece of fruit. Did God
3: really that. say? <laughs> It's just oh, a, ho, ho. It's just, anyway, I'm sorry, I Welcome you. back to Cross-Politic, y'all. Uh, David's having a moment. Mm. We're going to have a moment later. Hey, uh, David Wheaton, uh, author of University of... University of Destruction. Destruction. Destruction, there we go. Um, and uh, world-famous tennis player. Uh, nice
4: guy. And you got to put nice guy on the end of that. Yeah, nice guy. <laughs> nice guy.
3: Uh, Two... <laughs> two uh, golden retrievers Dude, no labradors he's got oh, more right. yeah. Over yeah. The years, too yeah. i like it yeah no i no i appreciate it I, I think good. so i mean I, the uh this is an issue I, I think it's a huge issue uh for
2: well we didn't get much time to kind of uh, flesh it out more because we have a real i think i think we have a there's a black hole of vision from our churches on the on on how parents should educate the churches aren't giving their their They're parishioners of vision on what education should look like. The
3: verse I was thinking about um, as he was talking, and I didn't want to interrupt him, is is, um, "What profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul?" Eight,
2: eight, uh, Mark eight thirty six.
3: Yeah. Um. You know, just because I I think that's what's happening is I think in so many respects, Mm. I I, I I agree with the point that you know, yeah, I know there are some kids, there are some kids that really are well prepared. Yep, they're strong in their faith. They're ready to fight, and and yeah, they go out and they kick butt for Jesus, and um, make all the right people mad, and they plunder the Egyptians and so forth. But I think that's a a rarity, relatively speaking. I don't think that's only as common. The common thing is that I think you get to the point. Okay, the graduate high school. You know, you 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 forked out all this money for for a classical Christian school, or you've been working really hard homeschooling them and so forth, and then you're like, okay. Now they got to get a job, and so I'm going to send them to Babylon University. Yeah, no, I'm right. a, I'm going to send them no. to the pagans now so they can get a job. Yeah, because I want him to be an engineer. I want he he wants to study astronomy or he wants to be uh, in politics or whatever. And we send them off to the pagans. And um, but but we have to. I, I think we need to st- take a step back and say, you know, there no, like the universities, like that's where that's where the pagans are really, really pumping. Right their money in i mean he, uh, david pointed this out but um you know between the ages of what did he say like 16 and 23 or something 15 like and that, 23 and yeah, i was like this I is know. where all of our you know the most formative years yeah right yeah. we're making all these enormous decisions yeah and and it's a full court press who are you
2: gonna marry to convert them what church to what church habits yeah. are you anything but jesus Yeah. anything but right? jesus right
3: yeah um and i think we need to see that for yeah. what it is i mean we um I, I was thinking about this um, with our, our two local hospitals. We've, I think we brought this up on air before yeah. that had just started doing transgender surgeries. Yeah. Um, there's one other hospital in the Northwest, okay? There's only three hospitals in the Northwest that are doing these surgeries. Which
2: is probably a five-state region. And that they're we're about
3: all here. university town slash university hospitals. Mm. Why? There might be more reasons than this. But I suspect it's because there is a high concentration of liberal ideology <laughs> in town yep. and there is a high concentration of vulnerable, swayable, malleable souls. Yep. Thousands and thousands of young men and women who are trying to find themselves. Yeah, strategic. And it's strategic. and It's sort of the reverse of Jim Wilson. <laughs> you know, so Jim Wilson, Doug Wilson's dad, moved to Moscow, Idaho. You all remember him. Yeah. We had him on the show. He moved here strategically thinking that he wanted to make a big strategic impact for the gospel. Right. Um, it's a small town with a university. So you've got a lot of people here coming and going, and you can make a big um, uh, impact. Right. Yeah. I think there's something kind of reverse going on here. Yeah, they see it too. Where they're seeing it too and they're yeah. saying this is strategic. There's a there's a high concentration of liberal ideology already in the university town and the universities and we got a bunch of kids that are vulnerable and we can get them. Yeah. And um and so I, I but I think, you know, we this is happening in our in our universities.
2: Well, because I mean, we aren't our parents aren't thinking about our education. I think even even push this into the Christian education paradigm so we got let's say all these Parents who are sending their kids to Christian schools, but then all of a sudden, all the principles and, dis- and 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 um, decisions that they made to put their kid in a Christian high school, all of a sudden that goes out the door when the ch- kid turns eighteen, and then they throw all those principles out and they put their kid in a public university. Um, and it's and it's why are, why all of a sudden do we just let the switch flip off if we're sending our kids in Christian schools and then we flip the switch off when they go and graduate and then what college they can go to they can go anywhere. Right. You know, and,
3: are- I think part of the problem too is a failure to understand what a vocation is. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. so a vocation is a calling from Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. A vocation is not how you pay the bills. That's right. Now, when you obey Jesus and you work hard, you do pay the bills. Yeah. Right. You do support your family and you do find something that is that is really satisfying. But that's at the heart of all of this. It's- but, but fundamentally it's a calling from the Lord Jesus, and that means that you you don't think of vocation just in terms of crass like i gotta pay the bills or that's what i want to be when i grow up no it's like you're a disciple of jesus yeah what does jesus want you to be what does he want you to learn how does he want you to use the skills and gifts that he's given you
2: and are you are you talking about this specifically in relation to vocation parents think that they need to go to this college this university this program to get this job yeah that's and you're right. saying, Hey, we need to back up and actually. We need to have back a bigger,
3: up. And yeah. so like maybe your son is called to be an accountant. Maybe your daughter is called to be a nurse. I don't I mean, maybe so. Great, praise God, but they're called to do those things in obedience to Jesus. They're called to do those things um as living sacrifices. Yeah. Right? They're priests.
2: And so that's why you're saying that some of those principles go out the door from their senior yeah. year, either senior the, in high school or their freshman year in the university. They start, I think they start so,
3: thinking like secularists in a certain way. Ooh. And they're, yeah. they're saying, okay, how do, can I get the best nursing degree? How can I get the best accounting degree, the best computer science degree? They've got a good ag program. Wow. Okay, well, maybe so, but how's the church? Mm. Right. What church are they going to be involved in? Are the, you know, what what else is going on at university? Are are, are they going to be trained and equipped to be salt and light and make a difference for the kingdom of God? And, yes, learn how to draw blood, learn how to, you know, add and subtract. Yeah, and, but their degree says Harvard on it. Right. Come on, What profit? What profit is it? Oh, a man oh, to gain damn. the whole world and lose a soul. But Harvard <laughs> I, thought, so- I thought your analogy with Normandy that was great. <laughs> no, it yeah. was good. Right? No, because, that was good. Like I mean, if, if there's a draft tomorrow, all these same parents are freaking out. Yeah, right. Thinking that, you know, one in four are might die on the beaches of Normandy. Right, and yet, and, well, and, willingly, and we don't have nearly the same kind of panic, like, like David said. Their soul, though, their right, soul. They're like, but what about their soul, right? <laughs> yeah, right, right. And, and, and we don't have nearly the same kind of panic about college, right? I mean, I think, I think it's, I think it is growing a little bit, but I think we got to keep banging that drum. <laughs>
4: there is a 50-50 and, chance your kid might come out of here as a Christian. I roll that dice,
2: or <laughs> <laughs> well, even less than that, even less than fifty, even less than that. That's uh, well, right. And and I think we'll hopefully get this into another show. But that this goes back to like parents having a vision for their kids and their education. One of the things that we need to do is we need to stop thinking that the university system is a place where our kids should be going in the first place all well, the principles that we set up all the decisions we set up to yeah. have our kids in Bro, christian education stop, hang stop. on let me finish, no. let me finish here
4: because no, it don't matter what, i'm gonna sure. tell you why it doesn't matter okay. you can't even convince these people not to send their kids to public school i know i know so yeah. why are you even talk about the college side of it when we, it's okay to send them here about you know transgendered yep. sex yep. and sex yep. education in the public school that's right. totally yep. fine you gonna tell me when they can become closer to adults or adults? That so, now you're going to try and convince them. That's not going to work. Now but the problem is it's,
2: the we, public education system is not redeemable, and no. that's what they they think it's redeemable. And what we need to be both at the at the high school level and at the university level. And so what we need to do is we actually need to set up education institutions that are example, that are a salt and light of, hey, this is how it should be done.
3: Are there any examples of that kind of thing? What? Oh, man.
2: New St. Andrews College. <laughs> oh, <man>. oh. Logos. <laughs> What's that talk about? Yeah. What are we doing here? But, so. it, are we going there? I it's just it's a university. NSA.edu. So, <laughs> <laughs>
3: NSA.edu.
4: <laughs> anyway, so we... Invited everyone to uh, send us some memos at crosspolitik.com. We got a lot of memos. Memo at crosspolitik.com. Thank you guys so much for the memos. A little shorter. Thank you guys (laughs) so much for the (laughs) memos. 60 seconds. We really appreciate hearing from you. It's seriously like it's a blessing to us. But um, some people weren't so excited about our review of Lecrae's song. What? Worth it. What they they didn't really like what we well, had to say. Well, but that one guy liked it. And well, we'll talk about him oh, okay, later oh, okay, because okay, he I'll has see. a different. But okay. so someone called in and left okay. this message.
1: Hey, my name is Austin Gregory. I'm from Georgia. I, I love the show. I listen Hi, to Austin. I, di- I didn't agree with y'all's understanding of why he said it's just a little dirt. It's just well, Austin. That's
4: enough. That's we don't even hear anything else from you. Thanks for calling. All right, <laughs> moving right along. <laughs> Man,
1: trust me, you're still worth it. As a reformed christian we believe in the perseverance of the saints and when i'm talking to one of my brothers in the faith at church or whatever and we're we're talking about them struggling with a certain sin and they're like you know i've I, i've had those conversations where listen i've i don't i don't see how god could still love me like i've I've committed this sin you know lecrae even gave some examples like now would you still love me if i took her home last night smoking and sipping on that Patron last night if i was popping pills trying to cop it through like he goes through some examples like, would God still love him if he did all these things? And it's not because he's like, he's at like we we all think about these things when we wrestle with them because we're we're human. We know we're going to sin, so it's like would when we're we're being eat up with guilt, will God still love us? And LaCrae's trying to point us to like, yeah, he he still loves you. With uh, Jawan Harris, I, I'm not sure how to pronounce his name, but his little hook where it says it's just a little dirt it's just a little stain trust me you're still worth it i think it's more like when i when you talk to a brother in the faith and you're like listen god god wants you like he god does see you as worth it because he sees you as part of his plan like he wants you for a reason and when you're talking to a brother you're not you're not talking to someone who's still you know uh, a slave to sin you're talking to someone who who's a slave to god and is still struggling with sin like they're 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 running after god but they're still they got stains on them and they're still beat up a little bit and they need to know that like hey it's just, it's just a little dirt like don't beat yourself up you keep going you you need that like you have to encourage your brother sometimes and we can we need to be hard on sin yes you guys were right in that But there's also that point where you know, when I sit down with my brother, sometimes he's so eat up with guilt that he like I don't need to beat him up more.
4: Oh, first Austin, thank you for for leaving the memo. Yeah, All what, I heard about. I about. think he
3: said he agreed with us. No, he said. <laughs> I think he said everything he said was right. So we can yeah, just move. on. Thank, right no, along. thanks. Thanks for the thought. Yeah. It's yeah. it's good. It's, I, we we wanted we want to talk about this. So, got any thoughts about that, Chuck? Yeah. So there's a few running around in my head. Um.
4: I said, I'm looking for a place in Scripture where you can argue your position, because I don't just want to talk about it and have my personal view on it. I want to talk about it from how God say. What's God say? About, What's right. God say? So, yeah, yeah. And, uh, someone who is not a slave to sin anymore is not asking those questions. Someone who understands justification and sanctification. So, if if they don't understand justification sanctification, then we can teach them that. But someone who understands justification understands once justified for eternity done over you are made righteous and through this process God is sanctifying you not letting you go not turning you away he will always be your righteousness and you will always be his friend wrapped in his righteousness and be sanctified through this process so if there's any way that we want to encourage somebody who's struggling with sin we take them back to the scripture say man what are you talking about you were justified you have been justified in Christ he died for your sins you don't have sin anymore right um You have you have your righteousness in Christ, and you are being sanctified through that process. So, someone who is dead to sin, they don't ask those kind of questions. They don't ask those kind of questions. They're not struggling with that, okay? And and so,
3: let me just throw out there something too. Yeah, I know. Sorry, I just just interrupted you. I need to vape. You're preaching. I vape in between that. Okay. (laughs) Um, The the thing that I would also note is I don't necessarily have a problem with what Austin is saying in terms of a one-on-one conversation where you know somebody really well and they, yep. and they just fell down on their face for the fifth time. Yep. And and you say, "Hey, brother. No, come on. Come on. Yeah. Get back up and run again." Yeah, I don't want to I don't uh, want to minimize uh, sin though. Right. But I think the problem is is that I I think this is bad pastor- pastoring. This is bad pastoring. Um to, to do what Lecrae and whoever his buddy is um is is do doing. It is, is I think is making room for sin. It's mm. making room for it. It's excusing it. It's minimizing it. It's, yeah. but I'm not. I'm I'm not at all opposed to what Austin's concerned about. Actually, on a one-on-one basis, where somebody knows somebody really well and reminds them of their justification, yeah, reminds them that they are clean in Christ and calls them to holiness again. Sure, Absolutely. that's great. Yeah. But but that that comes in a in a close personal relationship where you know that's what ne- is needed. Yeah. On a broad level, though, what people are called to is repentance, not, right. not, not not say it's little. No, you say repent, repent and believe. That's the call of the gospel. And for those who are in Christ, then that's good news. It's like I can repent, I will repent, and I will, I will get back up, and I will obey. And for those who are not in Christ, it's offensive, but maybe it's also a call to hope. You got. I think we need to remember just how serious sin is. It was just a little fruit, just a
4: little lie. It was just a little just thing a little that fruit. Eve did. But was it little? <laughs> it caused the whole creation to fall, and Adam <laughs> fell. Adam, The whole creation failed because Adam partook of
3: it. Right. So it's not, nothing about this is little. Part of this is also, the, the other thing that I meant when I said it's humanistic, I, I meant that. I also meant um, the line, you're worth it. Is that what he says? Yep. You're, worth, you're still worth it. You're yep. worth it. Oh, man. I, I I think that's something that's laced through tons of evangelicalism. Yep. Like, there's this- That's the, humanism. It's isn't human, right? right? Yep. You're worth it? Well, but you're not. That means basically, no, basically Jesus I is saving you because you're worth that. it. Yeah. Like, God, like yeah, yeah. it's like something special yeah. about you. And God was like, I yeah. need something to feel fulfilled. I need, no, no, no. I need you. No. Toby, no. you're worth it. No, he doesn't need us. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. He no, doesn't. No. And that, and that, the point of that but is that's not the gospel the go- is that you're not worth it. You're not worth it. That's <laughs> yeah. exactly right. You're, you're filthy. You're not worth it. And we have, and we have sinned to such yeah. a degree that we have completely obliterated, you know, we, we, it's. It, it, there's no good in us. So
4: how do we actually encourage someone? How do we actually encourage someone who is dealing with their sin? So it might be good that a person, if they are sinning, their conscience is pricked. That's a good thing. Yeah. Don't that's, alleviate it. That's right. That's don't right. Don't alleviate right. it. Yeah. But, so how do we deal with it? You're a pastor. Someone's coming. You let's pra- let's play oh, this real quick. Okay. So
2: yeah, okay. don't don't alleviate pastor, it. Pastor, I just I just I just yeah. fell
4: into you know I just sipped on some Patron last night and I took a girl home last night and man my. Man, I am i don't even think Jesus loved me no more. Like, man, I done messed up, Pastor. Like, yeah. man, this hurts. Like, I don't know what to do right now. Right. And I love Jesus with all my heart, but man, I still slip into these situations. Man, I'm right. handsome, man. Look at me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, I mean, Jesus knew this, right? I mean, I'm not trying to make light of it, but you know. I'm worth it. <laughs> I don't feel good about myself right now.
3: Yeah, well, a lot is going to depend on the conversation, the, the state of that person. Now, what I just heard from you this, in this role playing is a real mix. There's still some deep pride in that. Mm-hmm. And so part, mm-hmm. of gonna yeah. say, part of me is going to say, part of me is going to say, David, you, I don't think you feel bad enough. I feel horrible. I was yeah. crying
4: last night, all night.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, there's a sorrow that leads to repentance and there's a sorrow that leads to death. Mm. You know? Um, and so to start with, we, we got to make sure you understand what you've done. You got to make sure that you understand um, that you have, offended against god his holiness you've offended you've sinned against um your family mm. your uh your church family um uh this is serious this um and and throughout the bible god's wrath burns against this kind of sin god hates it and so it's not enough just for you to feel kind of bad um it's y- tearing tear me up inside you know y- y- I- i'm not sure if i believe you mm uh you know, the gospels for people who have come to the end of themselves. Mm. The gospels for those people who know that they're lost. It's, it's not just tearing up inside. It's you're lost. You're hopeless. Mm. You're dead. You know that you need a savior. Okay, that's what the gospel's for. That's good. And and so it's not enough to feel kind of bad. Um, this is what the the prophets, the false prophets in the in, the, in Israel did. Um, they they um, they healed lightly. Mm. Yeah israel's sickness that they, they put neosporin on their cancer yeah you know they that's put right. they put yeah. band-aids on their tumors that's right and they said oh yeah that is a little bit bad and i'll help you with it but we need to know that it's far worse than that it's far worse than that and every time we go back to it even for believers who go back to sin and they sin again we've gone back to the grave mm. we've gone back to death because that's what it cost to pay for that sin mm. every sin the wages of sin is death mm-hmm. there's no little sins all of the sins were paid for by the blood of Jesus. Yep, it's that bad. And yes, God in His infinite love and mercy sent His Son for it.
2: Can I can I make a little comment here? Yeah, go oh, ahead. I think I think part of the reason why um, people are sympathetic to kind of Lecrae in this argument is because that too often Christians want to run to comfort. The person they want to start with the comforting, and then back into okay, yeah, you did you did sin here, but they want to start with the comfort. Yeah. And and all you're doing is you aren't even dealing with the wound well yet. Yeah. and Can you know, he who is just...
4: dead to sin continue therein? How, how do you do that? No. You, you've, you've been you dead can't. to this. You so can't. if something is, keeps going on and this person keeps feeling broken about because it keeps happening, this is actually a person we should consider for church discipline, guys. Right. And because we see very little of this, we think, oh, it's just something we got to right. patch up. No, this person that's continuing in sin and having the situation, hey, man, you need to talk to your pastor. Yeah, there, You might not be saved, right? Like, you should have a different concern for them, right? right. Now, I'm not saying everybody who is struggling with this is that way. I'm just saying that there is a point. This kind of conversation, especially in the context of the song,
3: I'm a little more concerned for that person in this context of the song than if there. And if there's a pattern of sin that's developed, the the person. I mean, this sometimes does happen. I mean, people, you know, there is there is a struggle, and and sin is not eradicated all all at once. That's right. And people and Christians do fail numerous times that's right and some you know jesus says you know when they ask how often shall i forgive my brother well seven, sometimes you know he, if he says please forgive me you forgive him that's right um god forgives us like that amen right but at the same time we we cannot we, we play games with ourselves and be like hey i'm i'm sorry
4: so if I did this, Lord, would you still?
3: Yeah. And if I did we, that, we how much games. do I have to do before you don't love me? Anymore? And we and we what? Make, and what we're doing is we're making room for sin. That's right. And we're not loving holiness. We're not loving righteousness. We're not loving God. And that's the thing that God wants. And so I don't. Yeah. Somebody can fail over and over again, but what I want to see is is are they are they really heartbroken and are they broken more? Amen. I mean, we, you should be getting more angry with that sin. You should yeah. be hate that sin more. That's what that that's godly sorrow. Amen. That drives us to repentance. Yeah. You're not questioning how many things I can do. No. There's it, it, a it, the line at Jesus. Right. But no. I, I, I mean, it's you are really torn up and you are you are really lost and you know, you need a savior mm. at that point of desperation. God's there with the loving arms ready to welcome you right, home. Right right, right. 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 And and the church should be there.
4: And that's when we get to say there's no there's no condemnation no for condemnation. those who Amen. are in Christ right. Jesus, Amen. right? Right. There's a way to deal with sin that doesn't uh, make light of it, and at the same time
3: lifts the person up in right. Christ. Right. But love doesn't pull punches. Love doesn't refuse to tell the truth. You don't come into the ER with you know bone sticking out, and you don't want the doctor to say, oh, it's just a little yeah little bruise." He'll just you know, you know. no. You tell him the truth. Yep. Yeah. Here's Zach.
4: My name is Zach listening in South Dakota in hey, your Zach. conversation about Lecrae recently you guys really put it into the most simplest terms that I have not heard yet well Zach you know what we just need to send send Zach a t-shirt he's he using a t-shirt <laughs> <laughs>
5: you know
2: I mean? no,
4: we just send Austin one too that you I should. had with Lecrae's most recent music with a lot of the things he has said recently but I couldn't quite put it into words until you guys broke it down Into its simplest form saying that it's a watered down gospel. That's what it is. It's humanism. It's not leading people to Christ. So, correct me if I'm wrong here, but if we're not leading people to Christ, it would seem to me that the only other option is that we would be leading people to hell. Oh, oh, uh, Zach, boy, he's just straightforward, isn't he? (laughs) That's mean. You said it's mean? That's mean. <laughs> That's mean. <laughs> it's just mean. But it's what Jesus said. Yeah. There, isn't, there isn't another option. This yeah. is what you were saying when we were talking to David Wheaton. You can't just be standing still in the middle of yeah. this and think that you're still going somewhere. It's yeah. yeah. either fighting or there's retreating, right? That's, <laughs> right. That's the same thing. That's right. Uh, amen. Uh, yeah. So, no, I, I, don't, I don't have a problem saying that at all, Zach, if no. you're not leading people and to I, Christ.
3: I, I, Jesus said he, he condemns the Pharisees and says, you know, you go, um, you know, many, many miles to make a convert. mm to make him twice the son as hell, son of hell as you. Yep, right. So religious people have been doing this at least since the time of the Pharisees. Whoa, right? Yeah. Sending people yep, to right. hell.
4: Ouch! You said that's Lecrae right. been around for how long? <laughs> 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 I didn't, I'm, I'm joking. I I, <laughs> I'm joking. I, didn't, I didn't say that part. <laughs> I
3: didn't say. <laughs> but you were, uh, it, this, But that's what churches. Yeah. I mean, Jesus said that it was going to be far better for Sodom and Gomorrah. Mm. Yep. Than for the cities that rejected Jesus. Yep. And the day of judgment. That's right. Mm. Right, and this is, and and you know, we have denominations and churches all over this country. I think that are leading people to hell, yeah. right. telling them it's just a little stain, it's just a little dirt, Don't and worry, you're you're still worth it. You're still worth it. You're really special, and you know, and what I mean, it's just a really subtle form of the gospel of self-esteem. And again, right.
4: I know right. what Lecrae thinks he's trying to do. Right. Yeah. I know what he thinks. Yeah. he's tr- I yeah. know what we he's after. We could probably get
3: him in here, and we could probably corner and he, him. He and, would agree with it. And him. he would probably come down and be like, okay, yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But he's Absolutely. doing it because he, he thinks he's yep. helping.
4: Exactly. And that's exactly the problem. Yeah, he <laughs> he's not. He's
3: not, not. Yep.
4: No. We but, love the memo. Send them to us. Memo we, at CrossPolitik.com. Go ahead, Pastor. And
3: and, and Austin, and, and who is the other guy? Zach. Zach, Zach. send us an email with, with, so we can get you a t-shirt.
4: Ooh. Ooh
3: come on now. There we go. All right.
4: Until next week, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Go fight, laugh, and feast. This is Cross Politics.